Thank you, Dan, for leading us in prayer, too. Good morning, and welcome to Park Church. We're glad that you're here. Um, we are excited about this week coming up. We have a bunch of different things going on. We have Evensong on Friday night. Like Paul said, this is going to be a really special service. Um, go out of your way to be there, right? It is going to be a really great service. Go out of your way to be here on Easter, too, and invite people in um, to hear about the good news that Jesus didn't just die for us, but he was also raised from the dead. Uh, it's going to be great, and we want you to come to that. Um, but also, if you can, be here on uh, April 9th, that Sunday morning. We're going to do Celebration Sunday, where we're going to get together, and we're going to celebrate all that God has done uh, in this community and through this church over the last few months, where we've been doing this Rooted series, right? That's what we're we're actually wrapping up the Rooted series today. Um, I, I, for one, has, have just loved it. I've been able to see uh, people's life, lives changed, um, people's minds opened, people's heart kind of uh, broken open in a way that we haven't seen very much before. And I'm just so excited about it. It's been so great. And we're going to celebrate that uh, in two weeks. I'm super excited about it. If you're new, um, you haven't heard this before, but I've said this like a lot over the course of this uh, series. This is what this sermon series is all about, okay? Um, whoever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever your beliefs are about God or your disbeliefs about God, your faith or your lack of faith, we believe, because Jesus says it, we believe that God wants you to have faith, um, a strong faith, a faith that gets firmly and deeply planted in the roots of who God is so that it can grow strong and it can withstand any storm that comes, um, any drought that comes, any disease that comes. It can withstand that and it can actually grow and bear fruit in the world. Fruit that's good for you, but fruit that's meant to feed the world around. Fruit that's meant to change the world. That's what, that's what we believe God wants for you. And so throughout this series, we've been asking these sort of big questions of faith. Big questions, the answers of which have the potential uh, to do that, to root and to plant our faith, or they have the potential to uproot, to undermine, to kind of cut down our faith, all right? And so the question that we're going to ask this morning, it's an important one because of where we are uh, as a culture, where we are in 2018 in MoCo. That stands for Monmouth County, if you haven't heard that yet. Um, it's this question right up here. Uh, why is the church... Why is the church important? It's kind of a big question. First things first, though, let's get the question right. What is the church? This is a quick, quick little definition of what the church actually is. Um, the church, first, it's not a building. It's not a location. It's not a place. The church is a people. You are not at a church. You are amongst a church. You are sitting amongst the church. The church is not a place. The church is a people. And so when you say, I'm going to Park Church to drop something off, it's actually kind of nonsense because Park Church is a people. It's not a place. You don't come here to drop off uh, ribs, um, which if you want, I eat lunch at 1230. Uh, <laughs> the church is a people. And it's the people specifically that Jesus himself gathers together to do his work in the world. It's the people that Jesus gathers together uh, for his mission to do his purpose, which is to bring the good news of what Jesus is all about. It's to bring that good news to the world around. It's not a place. It's a people who are on mission together. It's two Ps, not a place. It's a people. The other thing, uh, two M's. It's not a meeting. It's a movement. 
It's not a meeting, it's a movement. Um, a meeting is we meet at 9 o'clock and we meet at 10.45. So to say, I'm going to church, it's only a half-truth. Because church is not the thing that happens between 9 and 10, 15 on a good Sunday, right? Uh, the church is a movement. It's a people that Jesus has gathered together to do something. Um, so to say, I'm going to church, you are in that you're going to the church, which is the people, not the building. The building is an old factory that used to, um, I found this out, it used to service race cars. You think that's true or not? It actually is true. They used to service race cars right in here, which is also pretty sweet. Um, we know the church is not a building because right next door, they've repurposed that space for all kinds of things, um, for dance classes, for batting cages, and for uh, like working out, right? The church is not a place, it's a people. It's not a meeting, it's a movement. And so the question up there is not, why is the church building important? Because the church building really isn't that important. I mean, we like our church building, we pay a lot for our church building, and we think it's great. We're glad we have it, we're so thankful to God for it. But the church building, it's just a building. It comes and goes. Maybe someday we'll get a new building, but the church is not the building. That's not the question. Uh, the question also is not why is going to church important? Though we think it is important to come and gather like this, like we do, uh, to sing God's praises and to hear God's word and to see God's people face to face. We do think going to, like what we do on Sunday mornings, we do think that is important. But the question is not why is going to church important. The question is why is the church important? As in, why is it important that God, through Jesus, uh, started this movement of people that is meant to impact the world called the church? Why is it important that God did that? The answer that Jesus gives is a surprising one. It's surprising because of what it is, and I'll tell you the answer in a moment. The answer is surprising also because a lot of times the way that we experience the church in the past, maybe in the present, maybe uh, not you so much, but your friends or your neighbors or your family have experienced this way, uh, our experience of the church very seldomly lives up to um, what Jesus has to say about the church. And so if you were to think about your neighbor, or if you were to think about your coworker, maybe your brother, maybe your dad, maybe your child someday, and you were to ask this question, why is the church important? The answer that they might give is, well, it's not important. It's, it's just not important. And um, we know what the church does and what the church is about. They're the people who hate those people, and they're the people who just want money, and they're the people, who, you know, the church isn't important. Maybe the church actually does more harm than good these days. Uh, it's why on, like, surveys and, like, census and things like that, there's actually two new categories of religious designation that are popping up. Um, one is called SBNR. It stands for spiritual but not religious. Uh, these are the folks who... Um, who want to believe in a higher power and some sort of a God, who want to do some sort of spiritual thing, um, who, who want to do spiritual practices, um, who believe in that, who want to connect with the spiritual side of things or the spiritual side of life, of nature, whatever it is, but organized religion, right? We're not doing organized religion. That's bad. What organized religion is code for is like the church. And so you're spiritual, but not religious. And then the other one, um, is actually called the nuns, and not like the Catholic nuns with like the things. Uh, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and on this, it's you're filling out a religious 
survey, you know, affiliation, Christian, Buddhist, whatever, um, you, you check the none box. I have no affiliation. It's not that I don't believe in God or gods or whatever. It's not that I don't think the Bible or the Quran or the Torah, like, it's not that I don't think those things are worthwhile. It's not that I don't think about prayer or meditation or whatever the case may be, but I can't get myself to affiliate with a particular religion. It just doesn't work for me, and so I check none. The problem isn't God, because people, unless you're like an atheist, but people like God. The problem isn't Jesus. Everyone loves Jesus. He's like really just a good guy, and people love Jesus. Jesus isn't the problem, it's, right? What's the problem? It's Jesus' people. It's the, follow, it's the church that's the problem. And so you click none. You click SBNR. Um, and we know the reasons why. The church has a nasty habit of not practicing what it preaches, of not living the message, living the witness that it's supposed to live. And we know about this. Um, maybe you know about this. Maybe you got divorced in the past, and the church that you used to be a part of, they just not, they're not going to welcome you like they once did. They're going to look down on you. Things are going to change at that place, and you don't feel welcome. You don't feel accepted there. Maybe you grew up in a church, um, and you came back as an adult, and you came to find that the church that you grew up in is clearly not designed for people like you any longer. And so you left that place behind. Maybe it's not you, but maybe it's your friend or your family who thinks this way. Um, they would never step foot in a church because of the way they've experienced it in the past. You'd be surprised how many uh, messages and emails, and I got one about two months ago. I got a phone call. I don't know how she got my number. I got a phone call from a girl, and she said to me, um, I want to come to Park because X, Y, and Z, but will I be welcomed there if I have tattoos? Yes. And I thought to myself, that's funny because, like, a lot, like a lot of our band is like covered in tattoos and, and, and whatnot. But the point is, um, people think out there that that's what the church is about. I can't get involved there because I have tattoos. And so I'm not going to be involved there. That's the impression that people have of the church. And it's, it's worse than that, though. Because maybe you know what it's like to be hurt by a church leader or by someone in the church who's meant to represent the church to you. And you know what that's like. And you can't imagine being involved in a church ever again because of that. Um, that's, sort of the way, uh, that's sort of the way it can go sometimes. Maybe you have a friend who thinks, I would never be involved with church because I have to leave my brain at the door. My critical thinking, everything I know about science and, and, and logic, I can't be involved in the church because of that. I would argue, actually, that for a lot of our culture, for, you know, MoCo, for the Northeast progressive, uh, a lot of people, that this is their view of church. What is it good for? Maybe it's outlived its usefulness. Maybe it's no longer good. Um, in fact, I don't know, it might actually do more harm than it does good. It might cast a dark light on God rather than a bright one. It might confuse people about Jesus more than um, clarify. The church has no purpose. It does no good. We might be better off without it. It's because people's experiences of the church is often like that. This is, I think, what, what a lot of people view. This is their vision of the church for a lot of people. Um, it might not be for you. Maybe it was in the past, but now it's changed. Maybe you're sitting here and you're kind of skeptical about, I don't know about this whole church thing. What is this all about, right? 
I guarantee you this is true for um, you know, the guy who works two cubicles down from you or the mom that you meet at the park. This is the experience that people have. Um, it's a vision that's formed sadly sometimes just by the reality of the situation, by the fact that we're humans and humans disappoint one another. Um, and that's sort of the way it goes because we're all flawed trying to do this together. Uh, and so if you ask that vision, why is the church important? The answer is it's not. Jesus, Jesus has a very different vision of the church. He has a very different set of expectations for the church. His answer to why it's important is completely different. And like I said, it's surprising. And so why does he think it's important? His answer is simple. It's compelling. It's clear. It's concise. It's seven words two of which are repeated, so it's really six words. You will all memorize why the church is important in Jesus' mind. You will all memorize that today. Um, And here it is. Because you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. He says this in his most famous block of teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. This is a book that Matthew wrote about Jesus' life. Um, People have gathered to him to see him teach. Uh, A lot of people are there with their arms crossed, looking to judge what he has to say. A lot of people are there looking to catch him so they can get him arrested. But some people are there leaning into what he has to say uh, because they've heard about this man, and maybe they can add some of his teachings to what they're already doing. But some people are there because they've been been encountered by Jesus, they've met him, they've heard him before, and they've decided, I'm going to give my life to following this man. And some people are there saying, tell us what to do. And in this block of teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, if you are going to be my followers, if you are going to be my church, my people movement, this is what it's going to look like. You're going to have this attitude about things. You're going to have this disposition towards yourself, towards God, towards the world. He says, um, you're going to have these actions. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to respond to people when they hurt you. This is how you're going to uh, think about money. This is how you're going to envision the world. This is going to be your outlook. But then smack in the middle of it. He says, this is your identity. This is who you are. And he says two things. He says, you are the salt of the earth, and you are... You are the light of the world. These are seven short words, but in them is packed a lot of, a lot in there. And let me highlight some of it for you. The you up there. You is, uh, in English we don't get this. In you, this is not singular, this is plural. This is you all. Jesus is saying to these people, you guys, you guys are the light of the world. There's never one individual. It can't ever rest on one person. It's the community together. It's the church together that is the light of the world. And the light is of the world. Of is a word of belonging, right? The light belongs to the world. If you think about that for a second, the light of Jesus that has shone into your hearts, maybe, and that's transformed your life, perhaps, that's made you who you are, uh, that light, it's not of you. It's of the world. It belongs to the world. And so the proper place for that light to be shining is not amongst ourselves, but it's shining out in the world, where the world um, needs that light. That's where it belongs. And so every time that we make efforts to put walls up that keep people out, we're doing the opposite of what Jesus says for us to do here. 
Every time we do that as a church and we put in place things that make it harder for people uh, to come to know and follow Jesus, we're putting up walls. We're trying to put shades up to keep our light in um, and our light not from going out into the rest of the world. Every time we do that, we become inward focused where we care more about ourselves than we care about the world around us. That's not light. It's why Jesus teaches right after this, um, no one lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. That's a ridiculous thing to do. When you light a lamp, you put it up on a lampstand so that the light goes to as many people as possible. How often, though, has the church gotten this completely backwards? We have the light in here for ourselves, and we put the basket over it because we love it. It's good for us. We want it for ourselves. That's not light. That's, that's darkness. And when we participate in that, we don't participate in this. Um, and the thing that's interesting about this is that Jesus doesn't say to us, he doesn't say, you ought to be the light of the world, or you could be if you get your act together, or you should be. He says you are, because this is not an option that he gives us. This is the calling that we have together as a community, to be this light for the world, okay? And let's, let's think about light for a minute. Let's think about light. What does light do? What's the function? Back in those days, um, light was a little hard to come by, right? For us, we flip a light switch on and the light goes on. Uh, we have flashlights. We have uh, lights on our phones now. I even have, I have one of these fancy watches. And if you swipe up and press the light, it creates a little light. So you can, it's a little flashlight. Very, very useful, by the way. For us, light's easy to come by. When we need to get from point A to point B, we have a car with headlights, we get there. Even if our headlights don't work, we have like lights on the side of the road that light the way. Um, in those days, if you needed to get from point A to point B in the dark, all you had was the moon and the stars. All you had was a candle that you had in your hand. You had a torch. Maybe you had a lantern that was like, you know, like an oil lantern or something like that. Um, light was hard. You need light to get to where you're going. Um, our, kids, our kids yesterday discovered that. If you were here, you know about this. We did a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt in this room. And they put uh, black paper on the windows back there and on, on everything. And, it, and they turned the lights off. And it is like pitch black in here. It's crazy. Um, and the kids are given little flashlights. And they have to find the different Easter eggs. And they go around and they try to find it. When the flashlights are off, you, you just can't see a thing in here. Um, but the kids could use the flashlight, A, to not like kill one another and like run into each other. Um, but also to find the eggs, because light, light, shows us, light shows us the way to go. We need light to show us the way to go. Um, maybe for you, if you remember the time before uh, Christ's light shone into your life, maybe you remember what it was like to not know the way to go. I do. To not know, where's, where's my life headed? What does God want for me? Light shows us the way. Um, the other thing light does is light shows us what's true. We've all had the experience, I think, of like going to sleep in an unfamiliar place, waking up in the middle of the night uh, in like the pitch black and seeing like a shadow in the corner or hearing a noise and you get afraid, right? I mean, I do still, I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, you get afraid and you see like that thing in the corner and like, is it a monster in the room? It might be. Uh, is it a pile of clothes? It probably is. Actually, ours would be in laundry baskets. Um, and it's scary. And you need to flip the light switch on to see what it is, right? Because you can't see what's true in the dark. All you see is what you imagine. All you see is what's not true. 
or you see the shadow of things that are true, right? And for a lot of us, a lot of us, even those of us who are basking in the light of Christ's life for us, it's like we still are in darkness. Because we think about the things that we've done in our lives, the things we wish we didn't do, the ways we've hurt people, uh, what the Bible calls sin, and we say, gosh, that is going to crush, it crushes me. All you feel is that guilt. Because that's what you see in the dark. For a lot of us in the dark, all you could sense is the ways that you're not worth anything, that you're not valuable. People have told you that, your family has told you that, life has told you that, and in the darkness you believe, yeah, I don't really have any value. In the darkness, you believe that um, you are what your failures say you are. You are the product of the mistakes you've made. You are the product of things that you wish weren't true. In the darkness, you believe it's never going to get better. That things aren't actually moving ahead. That life is never going to get better. But when the light switch goes on, and it lights up the room, when Christ shines his light into your heart, all of a sudden things change. And you can see that the guilt that you carry has actually been forgiven. It's been paid for when Christ died his, his death on the cross for you. And the worthlessness, the lack of value that you, that you feel, um, you see that it's just a shadow. It's not real. Because Christ has given his life in exchange for your life. That's how valuable you are. And you see that the failures that you have made, that I have made, that we all have made, that those failures actually don't make us what we are. God makes us what we are. When he gave his son for us, Jesus makes us what we are. And in the light, we're able to see that. In the light, we're able to see um, things aren't just going to get worse all the time. Because Jesus is with us. His power and his presence is with us. In the darkness, we just think it's never going to get better. In the light, we come to see that his presence is there. He's with us to give us strength, to carry us through, to walk us through. Uh, light shows us what's true. Light also gives us hope. Light gives us hope. When I was a kid, I used to be a, like a scared kind of kid. When I would watch a scary movie, it would freak me out. I was kind of afraid of the dark. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I had a hard time sleeping because I was just afraid of the dark. And there were two movies in particular. Um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, right? Love it. It's the best. It's so funny. Watch it again as an adult. It's great. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The scene, though, in the truck where Large Marge does her thing freaked me out. I couldn't sleep for, like, weeks because of that scene. The other one is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? The scene where the judge like, does his eye thing freaked me. I, I couldn't sleep. And I have these vivid memories um, of my mom like, coaxing me to sleep when I was a kid. Uh, and I would go to sleep, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and it would be dark in my room. And I would wake up in a cold sweat, just terrified. I was so afraid. And it's so sad to think of now, but like, I was so scared. And I would put the sheet over my head, because I felt like if the sheet was over my head, nothing could get me. And I would lay there. Sometimes I'd go back to sleep, but often what I would do is I would just wait there. What would I be waiting for? I'd be waiting for the sun to come up. Because when light breaks in, it changes things. When light pierces the darkness, all of a sudden what was hopeless is now, oh gosh, there's some hope there. 
If you've ever had an experience where you're camping and like it's just a terrible night, you just can't wait for the break of dawn because light brings hope, hope of a new day, hope of a new experience, hope, hope of something different. And that's, that's what light does for us. It changes things. It shows us what's true. It gives us hope. It chases out that scary, oppressive darkness. Maybe you have experienced the light of Christ in your life like that. I hope you have. That's what we hope for each and every one of you. Maybe you've experienced like that. Listen, that's what we are to be, to embody, to live like for the world around us. Are you up for that? Are you up for that calling to be the light of the world? You better be. Because of the third word up there, the word the. You are the light of the world. You are not a light in the world. You are not one light amongst many. You are not plan A of plan A through X. You are the light of the world. For whatever reason, Jesus puts all of his eggs into our basket. He doesn't have a lot of irons in the fire. He has one. He has not diversified his light-giving portfolio. All of his investment is in us, in the church. Why? I don't know. It seems like a bad idea. <laughs> right? No investor would ever say, this is the way to go. Put it all, put it all on red, right? Like, that's not investing, that's gambling. Um, <laughs> No one, no one would say it's a good idea. And if you've had an experience of the church in the past that's not good, you would say, this is a terrible idea. He should have come up with a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. But look, there is none. It's us. Until he comes again, the best we can tell, uh, we are it. It is, it is the church that is the light of the world. And what that means is that without us, it's lights out. Without us, it's lights out for the world. And so the question, uh, why is the church important? If you believe what Jesus has to say, the question, why is the church important? It's an easy answer because without us, it's lights out. There's no light. It's an easy answer to see. It's an easy answer to intellectually get, but it's a hard one to believe. I don't know if you believe it or not. I know that a lot of us with past experiences that aren't good just cannot believe it. I know the guy at the cubicle two desks down from you doesn't believe it and your dad doesn't believe it and your kid's not gonna believe it someday. I tell you though, I have come to believe this. I have come to believe that the church is actually the light of the world. Because when you see the way that Jesus actually does transform lives, maybe you can think back to when Jesus transformed your life, if that's happened. But when you see that, and you see that that's only going to happen in a community of people who Jesus gathers for his work together, it's a lot easier to see, oh yeah, the church is the light of the world. 
It is the light of the world. When I worked as a chaplain in the hospital, this is kind of like a pastor of a hospital, um, I used to be with people who were sad and sick and depressed and, 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 and dying and losing and, um, all the time. And I would do my best to comfort them. The people I enjoyed to be with the most were the ones who were in the psych ward. And these were people usually who were younger. Uh, they had all sorts of issues. They had mental illnesses and they were dealing with addictions. They had all sorts of depression and um, they were in trouble with the law and they couldn't get out of their own way, these people. And I would sit with them and I would listen and I would say, okay, what is it that this person needs? What do they need to not return here in a month? Because they all return in a month. What do they need to not return? And I say, what they need is they need a good program. They need AA or NA, and that's what they need. And um, for those of you who are a part of that and who do that and are sponsors in that, it's awesome. Keep doing it. That's what people need that. This person needs that. What this person also needs is they need a good therapist. They need a good counselor, a good psychiatrist, because the normal person can't unwind what's all wound up in there. They need a good person. And if you're a good therapist, a good counselor, thank God for people like you. That's what they need. They need friends. They need good friends. Because all their friends take advantage of them. Their friends are there when the drugs are there, and they're not there when the drugs aren't there. They need good friends who are going to carry them, who are going to forgive them, who are going to bear their burden. That's what they need. They need a good family. This person needs uh, a family who's not going to throw them out who's not going to turn their back on them. That's what they need. They need a good family. They need a good job because jobs provide stability and whatnot. And they can't get a good job because they don't have a car and you can't get to work if you don't have a car and you can't work if you don't have a car and you can't get, you know what I'm saying. You need a car to get to work and you need work to get a car, right? And they can't do either of those things. And we see that over and over and over again. That's what they need. And, and they need all these things. And even if they get all those things, What's to stop them from returning in a month or two months or three months? Because they all do. When I sit there and listen to them, I think to myself, what this person really needs, what they really need is Jesus. They need Jesus in their lives. They need Jesus to come into their lives and actually transform what's happening in there. That's what they need. And I know that. I could see that about them. That's what they need in their lives. And where are they going to get that? They're not going to get that from AA, or from the best therapist in the world, or from a great group of friends, or from a family, or from a job. They're not going to get that from a chaplain in a hospital. I'm going to see them once and then never see them again. They're not going to get that from the guy on TV with the suit who's really a compelling speaker. That's not the way it works. They're not going to get that from the evangelist on the street or on the boardwalk that gives them the survey and tells them the thing. They're not going to get that from that. They're going to get that from a local church. They're going to get that from a body of people just like you are. That's where, they're going to, that's where they're going to get that. It's why the church matters. It's why good churches actually matter. Um, I can say that because that's what happened for me in my life, not the psych ward and all that sort of stuff. Um, what happened for me is that when I was in high school, I was a punk kid, and some of you knew me then. Um, and I came to this youth group, and there were a bunch of Christians there who were gathered around the idea of sharing Jesus with people who don't know Jesus. And uh, his light had already shone in their lives and transformed them and changed them. And when I encountered them, I encountered the light of Christ in their transformed lives. And that transformed my life. The trajectory that my life was on was that way. And I don't know where I would have been if I didn't get encountered by Jesus through that local community of Christians, through that church. I don't know where I would have been, but it wouldn't have been good. I am standing up here today because the church is the light of the world. 
When I grew up older, I became a high school leader. And we had kids come in who were living in all kinds of darkness. They believed things about themselves that were just horrible to hear. They had no idea where to go. They needed to be shown the way. They were hopeless. And because of that community of Christians uh, who shared Jesus' light with them, their lives are different. Their lives are changed because of that. I could name for you boys and girls who are now men and women who would be dead if not for the light of Christ shining into their lives through that group of Christians who gathered around together to share Jesus with them. Because the church is the light of the world. I know for a lot of us, I get to see this in the position that I'm in. I get to hear about what God is doing uh, through the Rooted series and through the Rooted material. I get to see that. I get to hear about how people who didn't think they belonged anywhere near a church, who didn't think they belonged anywhere near God, near God, now find that they do actually belong near God because God has welcomed them in. I get to hear about those things. I get to hear about the way that God is taking those things that drag us down, those strongholds we talked about a few weeks ago, those things that haunt our lives, the depression, the sadness, the sin, the addiction, the things that we wish weren't there, and how Jesus is breaking the oppression of those things. He's breaking the chains of those things, and he's transforming lives. I get to see that uh, that's not going to happen just out there. It's not going to happen on the street. It happens when local churches uh, follow Jesus together. It happens when groups of Christians decide to give their lives in order to follow Jesus together and to shine his light into the world together. It's where real life transformation happens. It's where people come to actually know Jesus. It's where hardened hearts turn to compassionate ones. It's where darkness is flooded and transformed by light. It's where fear turns to confidence. It's where dead things come to life. It's why the church is important. To be perfectly honest with you, this is why I'm so excited to get up every morning and get to work. Because for me, being able to help people be the light of the world, that's enough. Because I know my life has been transformed by that light. Uh, and if we are the light of the world, and if I can help you guys be the light to the world, of the world, um, that's a job well done. It's why the church matters. Because without us, it's lights out. And so if you, if you are a leader here, if you're an elder here, if you work on staff here, if you lead a community group, if you put bagels out, if you welcome people at the door, even if you're sitting on the sidelines not quite sure yet where it is that your place is to serve and you have a place to serve, you are the light of the world. It's what this is all about. It's why a budget and a congregational meeting actually really matters. It's why the struggle that it is to be part of a church community and the difficulties that we have between one another and the way we bear with one another and forgive one another and help, it's why it matters. Because you are the light of the world and it's not going to happen without us. It's why you pour into those high school kids what you do. It's why you spend time working on the budget. It's why you show up on Sundays. It's why you teach the kids in there. It's why you put up black paper on the thing and have kids search for egg hunts in the middle of the dark. It's why you make coffee for your community group and put time into it. 
It's because it's among us, the church, that Jesus transforms lives. And without us, it's lights out. So here's the thing. Stay engaged in the life and the work and the mission of the church. Stay engaged in it. To the degree that you're able, become more engaged in it. Because anything else you give yourself to, it's going to be great. It is. If you give yourself to your family and give yourself to your... It's going to be great. But there's nothing you can give yourself to that is the light of the world. So become more engaged. Um, our Rooted series is ending. Uh, don't step out of your community group because the series has ended. Keep at it. Stick with it into the next season. Um, if you didn't have a chance to do Rooted this season, we're going to do another Rooted group uh, here in the spring. Get involved with that. If you've never been part of a community group before, um, it's where life change happens. Get involved in one. And you're going to hear about that uh, after Celebration Sunday um, in the spring. Get involved with that. The other thing is invite people into it. If you actually are the light of the world, and if change, transformation, if Jesus happens here, invite people into it. Take the risk that their lives can actually be transformed too, because it does. It's why the church is important. It's why we matter. It's why it matters that our faith is rooted. It's why it matters that our faith is strong and grows and bears fruit, because we are the light of the world, and without us, it's lights out. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to serve in this community and to, um, to be called with this awesome calling, to be your light in the world. God, we ask that you would shine your light into our hearts to transform us, to transform things, so that we actually are the light of the world. We pray that you would shine through us. We pray that you would um, make it so that our life together impacts the world around us. We pray that uh, our neighbor, our coworker, our family member, um, who just thinks the church is no good and thinks that you're no good because of that, or thinks they could never get involved with you because of us, we pray, Lord, that you would make that situation different. Make, make the light shine through us in a way that changes people and calls, calls them to yourself. We thank you for the gift that it is to be part of this community, for the gift that this series has been. We pray that you would continue to root and ground our faith in you, to uh, give us your presence, to strengthen us so that we bear fruit in the world. Be with us now as we celebrate your supper together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.